What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Onyx Report. Now, where we as uh, black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. Hope everybody's well. You know, um, trying to get it in today. So I'm glad to see brothers coming through as usual. Shout out to Tim. What's up? Good brother Malika. Always good to see you in here, man. Hope you're well. Code Father, what's going on? Shout out to Mark Tuggle. Hope you're well, man. Always appreciate that support. Barry, what's going on? Layman's Journal in the house. Y'all support the Layman's Journal channel. Check him out. AB, AB Media, what's up? Support AB Media as well. Salute to you too, brother. Um, Ajak, what's going on? Aaron, what's happening? Ahmed, what's up? Busy Mike, what's the word? Got Andre in the house. What's going on? Ron, Donnie, it's all good. LXST, what's up? You know, uh, shout out to David White coming through early with the donations. That's from Black Men, the official <laughs> of Doc. I appreciate that. Shout out to Barry for the support as well. Like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel. So we can continue to bring you this independent blackmail thought. So I appreciate you doing that. Y'all know the deal. You can support on Patreon, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, or right here on YouTube. And in particular, I want to shout out some donations I received in the last couple of days on Cash App. Uh, some generous ones that caught me off guard. I really want to extend uh, uh, my appreciation to, um, you know, so shout out to, to Malcolm. Appreciate that. Uh, generous donation, you know. Uh, shout out to David. Shout out to Raymond um, and David again. I know it's, you know, communicating through Cash App isn't hard. It isn't easy. So, you know, sometimes people want me to do certain things or send me certain messages. Um, but if you go to my website, um, there's the, the list, the, the uh, email uh, address is listed up there. So, you know, you can just use that. Um, but if you forget it, you know, hassan.johnson at gmail.com. Just hit me up and let me know what's on your mind. But I appreciate that support. I wanted to get that out, out of the gate, because uh, some of those things catch me completely off guard, and 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 it you know it lifts my my spirit to know uh, brothers are listening. Um, which brings me, by the way, to the you know something I want to put on the table. Hope you guys will support me. I'm really close to forty thousand subs, so if you guys can help me get there, I'm a little over thirty eight thousand. Um, spread the word, share the videos. Um, I'm urging people to go ahead and subscribe. 
you know, uh, so we can kind of get over that 40,000 subscriber bump. Um, shout out to Metacog. What's up, John? Dead set in the house. What's good, dead set? AJ, what's happening? Beef King. Uh, we got Jay Kenyatta. What's going on? Uh, Dr. Thunder in the house. Shout out to Dr. Thunder. Hope you're well, man. Uh, you've been killing it lately. So y'all check out the Dr. Thunder channel. You've been delving in, dealing with a number of topics. He comes on real early for those of us on the West Coast. But, you know, I think it's like six in the morning. I'm up and, I, and I'll see him. You know, he's already deep in his show or something. So I don't know. I'm usually up till about 430. So I've been dealing with some insomnia. So I'm, I tend to be up. So my days and nights are all backward. But a shout out to Dr. Thunder, though. Um, Joe's, what's up? Marcus, what's happening? Michael, you got LAPD in the house. H. Rung, I think it's LAPD SWAT. So I, I don't know if I'm reading that right, but shout out to you, H. Rung. I don't know how to pronounce that, but what's going on? Um, yeah, so we're going to get into a few things, um, you know, tonight. I'm going to get a few things uh, off my chest um, and have a conversation because I can tell you. Um, you know, I've, I've been really wanting to pivot a little bit. Hold on. Getting a weird sound in my Okay. Trying to adjust my sound, but getting a weird feedback I don't like. Make sure it's not this fan. She might be doing some of that. Anyway, sorry about that. I'm, I'm, I've been out of it, so I'm trying to get back into the swing, and some of my tech is in some weird places. Um, shout out to Amya Huckleberry. <laughs> what's going on? Spain man, what's up, man? So anyway, um, I decided, you know, that I wanted to kind of pivot from dealing with certain levels of, you know, looking at women's behavior, and I really wanted to focus more on our critique of the gynocracy as it relates to our everyday lives. and. Um, you know, tonight I think I'm going to deal with some of that because, as you know, when you're dealing with um, gynocratic behavior, it's not limited to women by any stretch of the imagination. Damn, I'm still getting this weird feedback. Hold on. Let's see. Test, test. Yeah. Ugh. I'm going to have to debug all of this. I think I got some more upgrades in the last few months or updates. I think it's wrecking, playing wreck, uh, playing havoc with my system. Anyway, so yeah, so I want to deal with a little bit of that. And as we're heading into the, this next presidential election, I think it's going to be key that we be outspoken on uh, where black men stand, you know, on some things. Because I think whether you're talking about the white establishment or whether you're talking about the black community, black men are starting to uh, not only pull back from some of the things we've traditionally done to no fanfare, but we're also starting to become very vocal. And a lot of people are actually not used to it. I mean, you know, politically, they're used to a history of black male, you know, black males, black men being vocal, you know, from the 60s and 70s and so on and so forth. But I do think, um, you know, being politically vocal as well as vocal on social issues, relationship issues, um, political issues, and seeing those three things intertwine. And of course, even religion, religious slash spiritual issues, but seeing black men more outspoken about things in ways that don't require us to just fall on our sword and let others speak for us is a new dynamic. 
that's making a lot of people and some institutions uncomfortable. And I think that's where we are. And when you actually embrace that and you live it, 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 it changes everything. And sometimes it ain't for the better. Sometimes you're going to go through some inconsistency. You're going to go through some, you know, people falling out, out of your life. You're going to go through, um, you know, some ups and downs, but that's, you know, that is what it is when you're transitioning to another philosophy and you're trying to bring that into the reality of your life, there's going to be some instability for a little while until you're able to stabilize it. And I just want us to be aware of that. And I think that's what we're going through on a social level, on a mass level. You know, so, you know, some of that is what's going on and we're going through growing pains and I am as well in terms of what it is I want to focus on and how I want to talk about it. So a lot of times I'll hear about the latest, you know, issue, what happened to who at the Grammys, what did this celebrity say on TikTok? And and it's not that those things, those things are entirely unimportant. It's not, it's just, it's not always easy for me anyway to you know, kind of look at why I should be paying attention to that. Sometimes I just don't have the patience, but other times shout out to dark power for the cash app. Other times, you know, you, you do got to jump in. So it's hard finding that line sometimes, but I ran across something last night on Twitter or X that, that really sparked me and it, it, it really captured my interest and listening to my intuition. I'm realizing that that's probably more the direction I'm going to head. Um, I've never really been a political person any more than the average brother. I'm not, you know, um, but there's a niche area that I think we need to be conscious of. And that is where black men who are critical of the gynocracy, who are aware, who are red pill aware or whatnot, where they fit politically and socially. Right. And I think that's more something I'm interested in. So we'll, I'll show you what I mean in a minute. In the meantime, let me get to this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me, uh, all right, where are you at? Come on. All right, so as a reminder, y'all know, uh, please make sure you support the book, Solutions for Anti-Black Misandry. Go ahead and check it out. You can find it on pretty much every platform that where you buy books. So if you haven't already, uh, go ahead and check it out. Uh, I will warn you, it, it's it, they they printed it in real real small print, so I got to use a magnifying glass. But I don't know why they did it that way. It is what it is. But I do hope the information is useful, and I wanted us to get to a point where we can begin to cite some of our arguments, um, and and have that information, have those citations readily available. And that's one of the reasons I did this book to make sure that the arguments, in many respects, that we make, um, we have documentation for, not only published on a reputable uh, platform, but also, uh, you know, uh, reputable citations to go along with those things so that we can begin to build our arguments on more stable ground, stable foundations, right? Because when you're in YouTube spaces, social media spaces, you can talk a lot of shit, say a lot of things, and we lose the base of where we're getting our, our information from. So I wanted to be able to document that. So, you know, if you will, support the book um, and spread it around, tell people about it. Shout out to Chris for the donation. So sorry, I can't listen. We'll catch you on the rebound. Understood. Much appreciated. Shout out to Wrench Turner. What's good with you, man? Says salute doc. Support Black Male Media. Appreciate that. Y'all support uh, Wrench Turner's channel. Go check him out here on YouTube. Um, even his community tabs. They be having me dying sometimes. So go ahead and check him out. Um, shout out to Creative. What's good? Shout out to Silent Warrior. What's happening? 
Um, good to see you in here. You know, roguish, what's going on? You know, forever blessed, what's happening? D, what's going on? You know, ghetto user, if I hadn't greeted you, shout out to you, bro. So anyway, let me get to some of the preliminaries. So we're going to start with the sacred black masculine. And, and this time, two times, actually, we have to deal with uh, death. And this is old news in social media spaces, but, you know, still got to deal with it. Y'all know that uh, good brother Carl Weathers passed. They say he passed in his sleep. Um, you know, and uh, a lot of people have already talked about this. Um, I was completely caught off guard when I got wind of it the other day. But um, nevertheless, um, you know, I wanted to be able to throw my hat in with everyone else that paid their due respect uh, to the brother. Because uh, growing up watching 80s movies, uh, I was a lifelong fan. You know, of, of some of the, the, the work he's done, he's, he played a role in my imagination and my conception of what it meant to uh, be a black man. Um, you can't pretend he didn't. You know, if you were actively watching media, um, this brother was a part of your imagination. And one thing I remembered, even as a kid, shout out to Lord of Brooklyn. Welcome to the Onyx Brotherhood. Uh, appreciate you coming through, man. Thank you for joining. Um <clears throat> Yeah, shout out to Action Jackson. Real talk. Appreciate that, Lyndon. But one of the things I remembered about him when I first, you know, I heard he passed, one of the things I thought about him was obviously his athleticism. There's no question that that remained consistent. This is going to sound weird. It was his performance as Apollo Creed in the first, uh, and to some extent, the second movie, Rocky movies. And what I remembered about it more than anything was that he was as political a figure as he was an athlete. If you watch and compare Creed, um, hell, you can compare all the other Rocky movies where Rocky was champ, right? Uh, you can compare the Creed movies and you, you know, look at the early uh, Rocky movies with Apollo as champion. He was the only one that really understood the political role he could play as champ. You know, so he was very actively involved in racial issues. And it's hard to believe that Rocky wrote all of that in the original script. But, hey, he very well could have. I'm not taking that away from him if he did. Um, I don't know if that happened or, you know, Apollo or, or Carl Weathers said anything or if it was inspired by Muhammad Ali, who I know um, Sylvester Stallone was a fan of. But either way, one of the things I saw with his performance of Apollo was a champion who was a champion in the ring, but was actively involved in politics. And I remember as a kid thinking that, you know, I'd never seen that before. Right. But um, when you watch Creed and you see that now, he's more of a, a businessman, an entrepreneur, things of that nature. He's trying to get you know things off the ground. And that's all well and good. But this is a political dimension. And that was a reflection of the 70s in many respects. But I love the way Carl played it. You know, he was definitely an alpha and how he carried himself. He understood his worth. He understood his value and he understood what he had to contribute. And if I can't say anything else about um, what Carl may have brought to that script, I can say the way he played it, the intensity uh, the intelligence. And that was the other thing, too. You know, um, the way he carried himself out of the ring uh, in those performances was, you know, was was very classy and it was very upstanding. And, and as a child, I remembered looking at him thinking, damn, you know, there was an I didn't have the verbiage for it. I didn't have vocabulary, but there was an audacity. And yet at the same time, there was a dignity to it that I appreciated. Now, 
you know, we've seen him in a number of other things from Happy Gilmore to Mandalorian. And I've enjoyed him. I don't think I can point to too many things. I, I don't, nothing comes to mind that I've seen him in that I did not like. Um, you know, so I, I had to pay my due respect. That's all. Uh, you know, that, 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 that just had to happen. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Let me see what did dead set say here. He said, legendary line. I won the fight, but I didn't beat him. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but yeah. So, so, you know, all I can do is uh, extend my respects to the brother. Um, I'm still waiting to find out if they have any more particulars. All I know is they said he died in his sleep. But uh, yeah, man, powerful, powerful image in my head as a kid and um, maintain a level level of dignity all the way through. Um, I know he wasn't he wasn't particularly thrilled. With, I think he wanted to come back in the Creed movies. I wasn't sure how they were going to do it, but I know he was interested in it. And now I kind of wish they had tried a little harder to do that. But, you know, it, the strangest thing, though, is one of the more memorable moments from him um, was actually a reused clip from the 80s. Because y'all know when you saw that first Creed movie, and I remember Angry Man talked about this. Um, when I was watching Creed and he gets knocked out, not knocked down, knocked out, right? And he starts flashing on his family. There's an image of you know, Carl playing Apollo Creed in the ring, you know, doing his thing. And, and, you know, that father son dynamic that many black men can speak of or speak to whether it's painful or not, they, you see this clip of his father, you know, and that's immediately when he gets up in the ring and that, and that the first time I saw it, 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 it lit me up. Um, and I was, I had this fire in my chest and every time I see it after I still do, um, and a lot of that, you know, was, was, you know, Carl, his performance, but I did like how they at least used that. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm sad they denied a brother a paycheck and not let him come back in some other form. But anyway, man, shout out to Carl Weathers, man, a true hero, uh, to those of us who grew up without very many, you know, so shout out to the brother for adding in his contribution. The next one that I wanted to briefly acknowledge is uh, as of yesterday, it was uh, the anniversary of his uh, birth, February 5th, 1995, Trayvon Martin. Uh, the young brother uh, was born, uh, and yesterday was a celebration, of, or uh, I should say the anniversary of his his birthday. You know, it was his birthday, so rest in peace to Trayvon Martin. Shout out to him, um, and I hope we can remember him regardless of our political use of his death and appreciate that this young man did not get a chance to see adulthood, see what he could have become, what he might've grown into. Um, and so it, here you have two bookends in a way, uh, even though I, I think Carl Weathers was in his seventies. Yes. I think they said he was 76. Yeah. Um, you know, longer, and many of us uh, have actually believed we've lived and there's been a lot of brothers lately passing much younger. Um, but bookends to the extent that, you know, Carl should have been here a lot longer, especially as fit as he was. And this brother here should, should have been here um, a lot longer as well, dying at the earlier end of the spectrum. And both times we're looking at black men gone too soon. All right. 
So shout out to Trayvon Martin, um, not just the political, um, you know, martyr who died unjustly, but also to the young man himself whose potential he never got to realize, you know, so much appreciation for uh, those who sent that in uh, to remind us on other social media that his his birthday was yesterday. Shout out to Ghetto User for the support. Appreciate that again. Um, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. Rest in peace, Trayvon. So, anyway, um, the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up, and I can't play. I can't. I can't really play what I want to, man. I really want to play the music. But this is a bit of a public service announcement. Uh, I don't really go around advocating for certain apps over others or whatnot. But I do have to say, if you get a chance, uh, crap, here we go. There we go. King of Kings, Kings from Queens, the run DMC story came out on Peacock the other night and it's three episodes, 40 to 50 minutes each. Um, but really, really enjoyed this piece. And, you know, if you Gen X, all the nostalgia feels, are there, man. So I'm watching this thing and it had to be, I don't know, had to be like midnight, but I'm bouncing along with everything, man. Cause they brought me back straight to my childhood and listening, especially to that first album, but hearing the stories behind, behind it that I never heard, um, really kind of brought it to me. And not only have I always been a fan, I really more than anything, I've been a fan. Well, I've been a fan of, of all three of the brothers and run DMC, but I probably identified most with DMC. Uh, quiet introvert artist, you know, um, you know, that, you know, geek, you know, he's a comic book head. I, I kind of identified with him right away in the music. I always loved runs audacity. Don't get me wrong. And it took a lot of that, you know, when you see some of the clips, some of the performances they had, especially at live aid, where you have all these white rock bands and they figure out late that they don't have any black, you know, artists, or what is supposed to be a fundraiser for Africa. So they invite Run DMC and they come in the house talking about they the kings of rock. I mean, the audacity of it is lost on you if you haven't seen, you know, the behind the scenes on how, you know, on what goes down. So I always love Run's audacity for that. But D was the technical master, man. And he just would craft a lyric in a way that just, God damn, man. And it was cool to see him kind of see them talk about their, their personalities before they become run DMC, you know, cause D, you know, he's like, I don't lead a house. I, you know, I draw, I read comic books. That's all I do. And he pointed, he pointed to the room he stayed in. He's like, I don't come out of there, man. This is what I do. So when they finally got him on the mic, run had to damn near cuss him out. Like, look, man, you know, cause run already had an end with his brother, as you know. Um, so he was already going to do his thing. He was a DJ. He was venturing into rap. He already had a secure kind of setup and nobody, Nobody was looking for DMC to rhyme with him. And they were already cool. So he basically had to cuss him out. He said, look, man, get on the mic and do the fucking do your latest rhyme. And, you know, when you hear it in that context and then you listen to the songs that you grew up on, it adds a whole new dimension to it. Right. And so DMC for me was always my go to never drop the ball, always on point. Anytime he picked up the mic, I had to stop and listen. And he would always bring something creative. You know, he was, the, as I said on Facebook, he was the sound wave to Megatron. Um, he was the he was the uh, Spock 
who runs Kirk. You know, he always came through consistent. And so it was good to see some of those interviews with DMC. But if you haven't checked it, you know, this will definitely take you back to when you've heard those first tracks come out from early Sucker MC days, you know. Uh, shout out to Mark. He says, Hank Aaron was born February 5th, 1934. He lived 87 years. Shout out to Hank Aaron. Appreciate that, Mark. Uh, Castlevania Kids says, have you seen Passport OG latest video today? I saw it and instantly thought of Dr. T. You know, I saw it in the queue. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I support Passport OG's channel. So make sure y'all support the channel and check him out. I'll probably listen to it after I get off with this. Um, you know, so that's what's up. But if you have a chance, check it out on Peacock. Um, where you deal with early run DMC. So anyway, let me, all right. So here's the thing. I ran across a short video on Twitter from, uh, uh, from Charles Blow, journalist, whom I've never particularly had an issue with. But I think what we're dealing with, and this is one of the things that's caught my attention as we're heading into this next presidential race, is you have people who are trying to explain black men. And they're doing so in a manner that I think is a bit disingenuous. I think is a bit disingenuous, right? But here's the key to, component to all of it. They're not actually asking black men. And this includes black men who are, who are speaking for black men without asking black men what's going on. They're not asking the brothers that do research on this. They're not asking the brothers who are constantly in contact with a wide array of black men who are talking about their thoughts. Um, hold on. Yeah. Atlanta stay focused and informed says the Jam Master Day trial is going on now. Thanks for reminding me. Absolutely. It is. Look into that. If you haven't followed up on it, keep up with it. There was some new new uh, uh, dimensions to it as of yesterday. I just posted something on this on Facebook uh, yesterday about the trial. So uh, Atlanta stay focused is definitely right. If you're interested in what's going on with the Jam Master J trial, uh, please look into it now. But anyway, so let me let me play for you. Now, this is a short clip. It's only a little over a minute, but it kind of gives you a sense of what kind of set me off. So this is uh, this is uh, Charles Blow, journalist, talking about black men and their voting patterns and what he's observed or at least his interpretation of it. So here we go. I do more men than women support Donald Trump, including more black men. Let I don't like the sound on that. Let's try it again. Hopefully, I don't have any problems. So hit a one if you can hear it. And here we go. Why do more men than women support Donald Trump, including more black men? Let's discuss one reason that may be contributing to this. My name is Charles Blow. I'm an op-ed columnist at the New York Times, and this is my take. So Jermaine Lee at MSNBC has been traveling the country talking to black voters and he went to South Carolina and talked to black men. They talked to him a lot about economics, but one of the respondents said something really important, something that we don't talk about enough. A lot of people admire the persona um, and they, they want to be him, you know, they want to enjoy Okay, so let me let me let me start with this. He admitted to you that they talked to scores of black men who talked about economics. He said one black man said that you know black men aspire to be Trump, and this becomes the subject of the op-ed. 
right? That's that, that this is what actually happens to black men as a whole, right? Where if you have one brother that does something that somehow becomes a reflection of all. Now I'm gonna let this continue. Like I said, it's pretty short. We're already halfway through it. But I just wanted to point out that even Blow himself says it, this is coming from one, and yet this becomes the focus of the discussion. The um, perks that he has, he seems to always be able to circumvent the rules. See, that's the thing that we don't discuss. The aspirational patriarchy involved in our politics. For some men, they don't want to contain or correct out of control behavior. They admire it. So what he's saying here is that black men not only aspire to be Trump-like, but they, you know, revere Trump's masculinity and pa patriarchal control. And patriarchy for a lot of these people comes becomes synonymous with oppression. But notice how patriarchy isn't synonymous with oppression when it comes to people needing to eat and, and men break, breaking their backs to make sure they do. Patriarchy is not a problem when men sacrifice themselves to protect women, children, so on and so forth. It's not a problem. Patriarchy only becomes a problem when you talk about it in the abstract and you arbitrarily point out something related to Trump and somehow spray that all over black men, right? There becomes this way of gesturing toward a whole group of men and black men in particular, where somehow the only reason they wouldn't vote Democrat is if they aspire to be, you know, controlling oppressive patriarchs. So first and foremost, I have a problem with the association of patriarchy with oppression. And somehow the inverse that we don't ever actually ever talk about because they don't admit that there is a gynocracy, but this guy, this new gynocratic order that people like Blow are arguing for, even if they don't say it out loud, we don't argue, we don't associate that with any kind of problematic behavior whatsoever. Even though y'all see me on a regular basis pointing out teachers, mothers who are killing kids, women who are sleeping with students, we don't, anything that, that problematizes boys and men's life, quality of life that, that comes from women's behavior. None of that is associated with a gynocracy. As a matter of fact, nobody admits that a gynocracy exists except in this, you know, a sector of men who have these conversations. But some, so, so again, patriarchy is made synonymous with oppression. We don't acknowledge anything that may be happening on the other side of the discussion. And so you end up with this uh, Manichaean dichotomy where, you know, anything related to masculinity is toxic and problematic. And, you know, we don't say anything about what's on the other side of that coin, but we're supposed to assume that um, anything related to the uplift of women and to some extent LGBT must be inherently wise and loving and supportive. And, and it is the contrast to this toxic poison of masculinity. Let me let them finish. They want to assume it and to wield it. They don't criticize because they idolize. So he's saying that, you know, people don't criticize black men in these spaces and men in general, but he's really talking about black men don't criticize Trump because they idolize Trump and they idolize Trump because they want to be controlling and oppressive and problematic. Here's, there's only a few seconds left. Let me let him finish. Let me know what you think. All right, good. We're done with that. So here's the thing. We have these conversations about black men and politics. We've seen this kind of baiting over the years, right? That if you don't vote for the Democrats, you know, we saw it with Ice Cube and a million other, you know, uh, you know, men, black men over the years. 
I've heard this shit since I was a kid. If you don't vote Democrat, you, you, you hate black people, you hate yourself, you know, you're an Uncle Tom, you're this, you're that. Here's the thing. This dichotomy of this issue is, is already dehumanizing. They're missing a whole lot of subtext to this. First of all, you're talking about two positions, voting Trump, not voting Trump, you know, Democrat, Republican. Look, I'm an independent. I'm going to go into that a little more in, in a minute, but I'm not drawn to any particular candidate because of their charisma or anything they've said, like I you know, might have been when I was a kid. I'm drawn to policy. If you actually are talking to me and this goes, I, you know, this is where I tipped my hat to Ice Cube a couple of years ago, because this is what he was trying to get people to understand. We have to move in the black community from a position of following political figures because of, you know, their charisma or whatever. I mean, shit, I think of, you know, um, uh, Bill Clinton on Arsenio Hall playing, you know, the horn. No, we have to evolve that to a point where if you're not advocating for the policies that I'm interested in, you don't get my vote. And I don't care what party you run for. This is the thing. This is the pivot that I think black men are making that is scaring the shit out of everybody else. Right. And the only way they thought to frame it is in these kind of childish, dismissive ways. But instead of actually listening to what black men have to say, we have to dismiss it. And if we can find high profile faces, names who are black and if they are black male, even better to dismiss this whole population, then we'll do it because we can shame them and dismiss them at the same time. But even Blow doesn't actually listen. He says himself, they interviewed scores of men in South Carolina. They did a video clip and a profile on one. All he said is these scores of men talked about economics. What does that, what in the hell does that mean? What does it mean? Were they debating theory on economics or did they actually have points to make about economic issues that directly relate to them? And why is that not the focal point of the discussion? Why do you have somebody like Charles Blow fixating on one person and somehow making that a statement about black men? This is a problem to me. And it's a problem that I think the, 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 the left is going to suffer from. Because I think more and more there is a split in the black vote. And I do think in many ways it's not only split on class lines, it is it's split also on gender lines. Black men are moving away from black women. And the Democratic Party has sought to prioritize black women's voting you know, practices because it, it deems them the voice of the black community. Now, black men and women don't, in, in, in overall numbers, don't tend to vote very differently. Black men vote to the second highest degree Democrat. Uh, traditionally speaking, over the years, and no other group deals with voter disenfranchisement the way we do in terms of, you know, those who are coming out of prison, dealing with voting issues. Black men deal with disenfra voter disenfranchisement on a greater degree than anybody, including black women, and yet, for the most part, have been voting majority Democrat. This is starting to change. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a conservative. I never voted for Trump. I'm not arguing that you should or you shouldn't. I'm not arguing you should or shouldn't vote for Biden. That is entirely up to you. What I'm pointing out is that my interest is based on policies that the black men that listen to this show wrote. And it's still in the same place it has been. 17 point black male political agenda. If you just Google that, it'll take you right to it. And my attitude is if you don't have people who are willing to address 
the political ideas and proposals listed out in that 17 point agenda. I'm not interested. But I'm also going to, you know, point a light on people like, uh, you know, Charles Blow, who are going to make these kind of subtle attacks at black men and further try and convince people that we are as irrational and immature a voting block uh, as ever. Right. That we somehow can't get past the image of Trump. I'll say this. Even the brothers I talk to that vote for Trump actually have reasons for voting for Trump. And here's here's the point of what I'm getting at, regardless of what brothers vote to dismiss black men as being incapable of having reasons beyond that. They aspire to be patriarchs. This is some childish shit that does not allow for the intelligence of a given man to actually be put on display. You're going to choose one dude that made a quick point and make that the focus of black men who don't vote Democrat. That's a problem to me. That is a serious problem. It's dismissive. And in my and in my belief, it's inhumane because it does not allow for black men to have a voice, to have a critique, to have something to say that you just may not agree with. It doesn't allow for any of that. And I defend brothers rights to choose to do what they think makes sense. Now, here I'm talking about black men that have a logic, that have a reason, that have a rationale and can articulate it. Notice how few of those get the mic. Right. Of all those men in South Carolina that was interviewed, they chose which one to give the mic to. And he made a statement about aspiring to be Trump like, but nobody had anything else to say, really. But when you admit that they had something to say and you purposely downplayed it. But I find it key, though. He downplayed it, but he still made a point to say that they were talking about economics. Now, this is strange. Because if you're going to somehow imply that black men are too childish, in essence, to actually have a serious political voice. But then you also say that a lot of them talked about economics. Is that what immature voters talk about? See, in my assessment, immature voters, you know, say, follow celebrities and do whatever they tell them to. Well, Cardi B said this, so that's who I'm going to vote for. That, to me, is political immaturity. But if you have scores of black men that are talking about economics and yet you have nothing to say beyond that to give your audience a sense of what they meant, but then you're going to bait and switch the conversation and make it about one guy talking about. That is what's to me uh, looked at as kind of a slash job, right? Your job is not to present black men's arguments. Your job is not to articulate black men's thoughts. Your job is to dismiss the idea that black men think. And have something to say that other people may not like. I'm going to do this again. I'm not good at repetition, which is one of the reasons I don't see as many shows, because if I've said it, um, you know, sometimes it, it takes a lot for me to say it again. And I have to have others push me to like, no, no, doc, say it. You know, so I have to go back and say what I've said before. This is the 17 point black male agenda. If you're not familiar, I'm going to put the link. Um, in the chat. I'll try to remember to put it in the description box, but again, you can always just Google it. It will come up because there's not another one. And the black men who, who support the Onyx Report are the ones who wrote it, literally. They, they pooled their suggestions and brought it in. Now, I'm going to scroll down a bit 
So you know, the last time it was, you know, updated was September 27th last year. It is constantly being updated. If you have ideas on policy that would help improve the quality of life for black males of any age, send them to me. And as long as it it it, it actually looks like it might be a, an improvement on the quality of life of black males, I'll post it in there. Now, I don't have a problem with any of the ones listed in here, but I will say I don't put them up strictly because I agree with them. I put them up because these are ideas that black men are proposing to improve their own quality of life. And since ain't nobody asked a shit of relevance, I thought black men should be able to speak for themselves. So here, kind of outline for you, uh, right, the streamlined list. So if you go down, you know, to the bottom and you can click on any of these links, it'll take you to the full breakdown. And many of them have sub points. As you can see, family court reform has 17 sub points. Education has three. Criminal law has 12. You know, they have, many of them have sub points. But um, at the same time, you can look at how many different areas. There's 17 different areas. So it's not just 17 points by themselves, because, again, there are a lot of sub points added to these. But there are a variety of points that black men have opined on in regard to what would improve their quality of life. Number one was family court reform with the most sub, sub points. So if you want to tell me what black men want to talk about and you want to make it about what one guy said, why don't you look at what scores of black men have been reporting their concerns to be about? And the biggest concern they seem to have is family court reform, right? Education, affirmative action for black men, targeted homelessness, targeted unemployment, criminal law reform, intimate partner violence slash homicide policy reform, health targeted treatment and recognition for heart disease, cancer, suicide, HIV campaigning, targeted small business support. And I'm reading these aloud because I have people on, uh, you know, uh, on uh, iTunes and who listen to uh, this show through radio stations. So, you know, that's why I'm reading it aloud, even though you might be looking at it. Um, you know, uh, Social Security and life insurance, family support, paternity leave, reverse voter disenfranchisement. See, we're talking about that. Black male specific reparations. United Nations uh, and the genocide of black men or boy, black males, excuse me, title, title seven reform, data disaggregation, black men's rights to self-defense. All of these issues are on the table. And black men are talking about them. They're refining them. They're sending me more suggestions. They're asking for more. And you take this time, Charles Blow, to talk about one guy in South Carolina that you somehow want to use as a lens to look at black men in a whole, as a whole. Okay. And again, I'm not going to let you make patriarchy to be about control and oppression and all of that bullshit. When you talk about men sacrificing for those they care about, nobody has a problem with patriarchy. It's only when you paint it, paint it with this black feminist lens that it's a problem. And the irony is many of the black feminists that talk this shit actually grew up with some degree of patriarchal influence or sacrifice and have nothing to say about their appreciation for it. But anyway, that's a whole nother show. So that said, right, I just want to point these out. Anybody that's interested in going to them, anybody that has any other ideas they want to suggest, please do so. But I am pushing this during I did it during the last presidential election. I'm doing it now. And the reason I'm doing it is because at the end of the day, right? When you're going to talk about what black men want and then dismiss what they actually want for what you want to say they want, we have a record. We have a documented living document where you can actually go to it 
and look at what black men have been proposing for several years now. And nowhere in this do you see people talking about, I want to be like Trump because I want to be an oppressive patriarch. You don't get that bullshit out of here. These talking points that you're using came up and are being used by people who don't value black men, not only as men, but let alone as human beings. Why don't you actually listen to what black men have to say? Especially as one, right? But this feminist dismissal of black men's voices to to foreground people who don't honor black men's very existence is, is disingenuous at best. So I want to put that on the table first. Now, I ran across another another uh, um, statement being made, but this one comes from the right. This is a, a brother on YouTube. Uh, I think his name or his, his, his channel name is Black Conservative 24. And he had this is about a six minute interview with an older black woman. And uh, I don't remember... Okay, I think I did. I think I did split the audio, so hopefully it won't be a copyright issue. I'm going to play the full six minute clip and, you know, I'll stop and pause as we go through it. But um, so here you have more of a conservative statement being made. Now, it is decisively different, which I think is going to cause the left some problems as it relates to black men, because you actually have uh, conservatives that are starting to use certain arguments that uh, cater to the black male vote. Now, whether or not that's going to be successful, whether or not it's going to turn into a whole other set of problems, it is what it is. But I want you to hear what this woman had to say. Um, Let me get this up here. So this is, again, Black Conservative 24. And I think the title of it is Black Women Flawlessly Exposes Democrats for Destroying the Black Community and Being Anti-America. Here we go. Always a blessing to see and listen to people who understand how dangerous the Democrat Party is. Listen to this. The Democratic Party, they promote black women, mm-hmm. particularly if she's a lesbian. Yes. They promote black women who are not even qualified. Mm-hmm. We have- now, notice she immediately comes out the gate and she's talking about the, the strategic promotion of black women over black men as a way to disorient and undermine the black community. And I've argued for years that this is happening. It does have merit, regardless of whether or not you like the person talking about it, you agree with them. I do believe this is happening. And it's also something we see in terms of popular media, especially DEI directed media. We see the same kind of dynamics where the push in one vein to make sure that representation and media is spread evenly so that everybody can kind of see themselves on the screen. And that eventually that watered down to Uh, a certain subset of feminists and LGBT as the standard for what it meant, what it means to be represented. Uh, And everybody else just kind of goes under the, you know, gets swept under the rug. And black men in particular become just men. We're associated with white men and the same thing because we all have penises, I guess. Anyway, what she's talking about, you can see reflected in different areas. But let's hear her continue. Seen with the diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is really racism, which is really saying, well, black people just darn it, they're, they're not smart enough, so we have to give them handouts. Exactly. And you're pushing black women who are not qualified, Dr. Claudine Gay of Harvard. Now the head of diversity at Harvard is also accused, if I have it correctly, of plagiarism. And we'll, we'll get to Fannie, Fannie Willis, who was elected as a DA, in Fulton County, Georgia. 
Okay. I actually didn't stop that. So let me see. Looks like I might have some technical problems there. So I apologize. So she basically just kind of goes on with what you heard, right? Now, you know, the problem with this in many ways is that this, I think, is going to be some of the approach of the right. Um, and at my in my assessment, that's actually the fault of the left. Whether or not black men vote right or not, I'm indifferent to. I don't vent, I don't vote right. Like I said, I don't vote left just because it's left. For me, it's policy based. But I don't get upset when black men choose to vote however they choose to vote as long as they can articulate their rationale to do for doing so. And the reason I push for that is because at the end of the day, I haven't seen the quality of life for black men change significantly under either party. Again, if you're not going to be interested in what I have to say and what I believe and what I'm interested in, then why would I spend time on this? How much energy am I going to extend on this? And this is where I think a lot of black men are heading toward. More and more black men are starting to withdraw. And and I advocate withdrawing as it relates to refining your argument. And then at some point, I do believe we have to come in with a much clearer argument, a much more straightforward uh, you know, breakdown of what it is we need, what it is we value what it is we want and why we want it so that we can't have these people like Charles Blow getting up and telling everybody why black men are doing what they're doing based off one guy that was interviewed in South Carolina. That for a journalist of that magnitude, I find that to be highly irresponsible, highly. I can point to 38,000 subscribers who have made statements on one level or another about where they stand and they're all over the place. They are all over the place, politically, ideologically. I mean, again, I've seen the gamut just on my channel of hardcore uh, nationalist revolutionaries all the way through hardcore conservatives, the whole gamut, across the board. But one thing they share in their experience as black men is a certain treatment in a society, a certain set of policies that tend to work against them, and a certain type of socialization in the community that deeply embeds misandry as a common practice in the black community. And black men across the board are becoming more and more tired of it. I ran into, I won't give his name, uh, and, I, and he's probably listening. Shout out to you if you are. I just had a conversation before my show with a guy on Facebook. And he has his, his you know, he has his name on the screen. So I've only seen his name. And, you know, we've communicated back and forth over the years. Come to find out. When I finally opened one of his posts, I saw his performer name. This is a brother who, as, as a rapper, I've been a fan of for years. Didn't even know it. And we start chopping it up. And I'm like, damn, I love this brother's work. And I always have. And so now I didn't know that he's actually been a supporter for years in terms of, you know, um, sending me stuff to, the, to post and so on and so forth. So anyway, he starts talking to me about how his music changed after, you know, engaging some of the arguments that people like myself are making and how he's and, and this is not just because of the power of the arguments it's also tied to his real life experiences divorce you know so on those kinds of issues and how they relate to the stuff we're talking about so what's my point in bringing that up i'm bringing it up because there's a wide array of people who are at every spectrum of society who are starting to understand that as black men they have a unique experience that nobody advocate advocates for socially, 
politically, right? Nobody advocates for it. And they're starting to understand that they have to do it. So he took it upon himself to start changing the nature of his music to suit his outlook. Many of us have been doing so in our own ways, our own micro ways in the lives that we live. And more and more of us are starting to ask the question, how can we move this push, this pivot to a larger scale, right? There's a platform to do it on spiritual grounds, religious grounds, if that's, if that's your path. There's a platform to do it politically. And I think in many ways, we have to find ways to reinforce each other in a lot of the different areas that we're in to do this, to reinforce a different way of looking at the world based on our lived experiences that others have no sense about. Um, hold on. Let me, let me do this real quick. Let me acknowledge some of these super chats before I continue. Uh, trash, uh, six and it, uh, appreciate the uh, support. Thank you for that. Um, uh, Michael appreciate that. He says as a black man currently running for political office, this one really hits home. Okay. All right, Michael, uh, let us know a little more about that. You may have already been talking in the chat. I haven't had to look yet, but appreciate the support. Nonetheless, curious to know more about what you're doing. Afro nerd. Afro nerd is definitely a friend of the show. Shout out to Afro nerd radio. What's good with you, man. He says the consistent reliance on compromised. Um, alternative sexuality slash male feminist black males uh, alleged pundits can't go unchecked no regular slash moderate brothers or professionals chosen reps doc exactly exactly chosen reps for real shout out to lithium he says uh, people under 43 uh, have been screwed by neolib slash neocon policy Trump is anti-neolib and more pro-male than the Dems um Shout out to Thomas. Appreciate that support. He says, Blow published in, in uh, the New York Times piece that debunked the myth that black fathers are absentee. Given Trump's hostility toward black people, Blow was right to question the support, but reached the wrong conclusion. See, and I'm not upset that he questioned the support. What I'm frustrated by is that he basically pathologized a whole group of black men based on the statements of one in South Carolina. That to me is highly problematic and irresponsible. Right. Because when you get down to it statistically, you still have a small minority of brothers who aren't voting Democrat. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. It just is. So if you're going to make these kind of statements, you really need to be more responsible in how you go about it. Because to me, this did a disservice to black male voters across the country by attempting to dismiss some of the concerns that black men are now starting to raise and made it this childish gesture. And the reason I'm saying some of the concerns, here's the thing. Black men have had to figure out how to develop our own vocabulary to better understand our own situations. And y'all know, I've, I've really, in the last, I don't know, what is it? Oh, man, I guess it's been five years. In the last five years on this show, I, alongside many others, have been crafting a vocabulary so that we can better explain to ourselves, let alone the public, what we stand on and what, what our experiences have been. Trying to use the terminology of other groups to explain what you've experienced, we found the hard way does not work. It still leaves you within the framework of what their accepted uh, kind of uh, worldview is. And so we've had to break from that. That's hell. That's what a lot of my book is about. It's actually introducing and using terms and, and co you know, kind of common vernacular that explain black men's experiences in a whole different way. And this is what we've been doing. And so as black men are developing their own vocabulary, you know, we're really figuring out how to articulate our political view. 
and to dismiss it all to one candidate that you don't like and you're trying to, you know, it, it does a severe disservice to black men because black men are far more nuanced and complicated than that. Black men come from all over the ideological sphere with arguments and experiences that I don't think have been properly weighed and analyzed, listened to, put simply. I don't think it's happened yet. I really don't. I don't particularly care what side of the ideological framework black men are coming down on. What I care about is that they're actually listened to. And they're not. And they're not. I do appreciate Charles Charles Blow's work in regard to pointing out that black men are not absentee fathers. I do. But that doesn't excuse how he's used at this point, how he's allowing himself to be used, and how many others use black men the same way. We've seen this, I mean, we've seen this for the longest, but at the end, of the, set, the end of the day, it's been particularly interesting in this last four to five year period, seeing how black men have been kind of maligned, pathologized, ignored, and uh, stereotypically framed in ways that obscure how nuanced black male arguments have been and are becoming in regard to politics, relationships, uh, you know, policies, worldview. There's no space where I've seen black men congregate that's anywhere near as one dimensional as it's being presented. And I know some of that is quite common, especially in political debates, but let alone just in terms of media talk, media speak. I know that's a common tactic. It's not, you know, limited to black men, but we're going to talk about how it relates to black men. Because I'm sick, you know, too, on a whole nother level of seeing, you know, black men just kind of uh, dismissed and watered down to nothing because, no, put that. We're going to talk about full-throated, unapologetically, we're going to talk about black men's views and advocate for the fact that they have them outside of how they're being conveniently framed by the right or the left. Because I don't care which side is doing it. As long as it's happening, I take issue with it if it doesn't acknowledge, one, what black men are actually saying. And two, that there is a spectrum of nuance among black men that's being swept under the rug and it's being used as a political football. And that's, again, common in politics, but that doesn't mean we have to accept it. Because if we do and we allow people to encapsulate our arguments into what they frame them to be, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Other people cannot hijack our voices, simplify it to what they think it is, and then sell people that... That's what black men think. That never works. And unfortunately, Blow is proving that you can't even rely on that with black men themselves. As was said earlier, choice picks doesn't work. We actually have to be the ones to articulate for ourselves what it is we're talking about, even if there's contention, even if there's disagreement among us. Right. Even if there's disagreement, I don't have any problem with that. Disagreement is disagreement. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, Disagreement does not mean that you get to, you know, reframe a whole space of diverse black men who come from a cross section uh, uh, that goes across geography, occupation, class, across so many different spectrums. It's ridiculous just to, you know, dismiss us as this kind of unilateral, unilateral category that wants to be like a political figure because we think he's meat. You don't get this bullshit out of here, man. But I think, you know, one of the people that laid it out best 
still does it the best. Let's hear what Malcolm had to say about it. Liberal. And damn it. Yeah, I can tell I'm rusty. Differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game. And that's just a short clip. I just grabbed it before the show. Um, if anybody has the longer clip, please go ahead and post it in the show uh, or post it in the uh, uh, comment section so we can definitely uh, hear more of it. But I, I think that point is still useful because it highlights for us just where and how black men are still being used, right? Still to this day. And we don't see it enough. Um, let me see. Anything else I wanted to jump into before we get out of here? Because this is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter night. I haven't eaten all day, as a matter of fact, so I need to definitely do that. Uh, I was going to jump into one thing, but I think I'm going to make this a separate component. I think I will. Yeah, I think I'll make that a separate component. I was going to dive into it for the whole show, but uh, this one, I think, deserves to stand on its own. So anyway, that said, I'm curious to know your thoughts. I want to know um, what your thinking is in regard to this upcoming presidential election, how black male voices are being used, what you think about how black male voices are being used, and you know what your thoughts are on what we, you heard from Charles Blow. Because I think in many ways, Blow is, you know, this is the season is just ramping up. So this is just the beginning. We're going to hear a lot more, and I want us to actually have more of a coherent response to this bullshit as it's happening, rather than looking at it four years later, you know, looking at what happened. I want brothers to speak out, and that's one of the things I can say in the last year has actually brought a tear to my eye a couple of different times, noticing how outspoken I've seen black men become, something I have not seen in this way in my lifespan. I'm not talking about politics or whatnot. I've, you know, we've seen that, but I'm seeing black men uh, being spoke outspoken about their what did Kevin used to call it? Their collected self-image. I've seen black men responding to the maligning of our self-image in media, regardless of who it's coming from, whether it's coming from mainstream society or whether it's coming from black women-led productions. Black men are becoming way more outspoken, and I'm curious to see how that plays out in this upcoming presidential election. This is why I wanted to reintroduce to many of you or introduce it to you if you've never heard of it about the 17 point black male political agenda. It's not because it is the end all to be all answer. As I said, it is a living document written by black men about what would improve their quality of life in terms of policy. And if you're not talking about that, but you want black male votes, I want to make it so difficult for people, most particularly politicians, that they're forced to address it. You know, you're forced to address it. Whether you like it or not, I don't give a fuck. You're forced to address the voices of black men who have stood up enough to write it down and put it somewhere where it remains permanently and can be only added to over time. I want us to stand on it and build from it so that we know what our political arguments are. I want us, when they're interviewed, instead of, 
instead of interviews like this where you, you have somebody stand up and say, well, you know, they, they aspire to be like Trump. No, fuck that. I want him to be able to list out five different policies that don't exist yet or are in process because we are seeing some of the states in process, right? In regard to no-fault divorce, in regard to, you know, um, DNA testing at birth, we're starting to see some of our ideas transitioning into real policy. And I believe that fundamentally happened because men in spaces like this have been pushing for it. And I think it can still happen. But again, it requires at the very least that we be outspoken about the various types of policies that we want to see. So that we can push back against this kind of thing we saw Charles Blow do where he could ignore scores of black men and focus on one who said some shit that he didn't like. No, I want us to be able to point out very specifically. And you'll notice if you go to the 17 point black male political agenda, I tried to document the data that that explains the rationale for those policy proposals. So you have direct access to the arguments, the charts, the various types of data and the links to where I got them from or where we got them from so that you can make a full-throated argument about what black males need. And I do mean males, because I'm talking about boys, I'm talking about men across the spectrum, gay, straight. I'm talking about what black men need in regard to policy. It's not about who we like, who we don't like. It's about black male needs and the improvement of black bo uh, boys and men's quality of life. And if we can get on that same agenda and push for that, with a well-articulated set of proposals, a clear and full-throated voice about these issues, we're going to complicate the discussion. And at the very least, it means that if you want to come over here for a vote, this is what you got to deal with. Every political group, every demographic who is approached for a vote can articulate to you what they need in order for their, their, their vote. This is something we've seen Black women do for decades now. I've never really seen black men do it. Black men, and I've argued this over the years, we have a communal focus. When you interview black males about politics, notice what Charles Blow said. They, they talked about economics. I'll bet you when they talked about economics, they talked about economics as it related to the black community. We have not learned to think as a distinct demographic in regard to being black and male. We think very communally. Black women have learned most particularly from white feminists, how to think as a separate demographic. So much so that they're actually distancing themselves from black men and community when convenient and when useful to advancing their own political platforms. So political candidates can interview black women. And even though we know they're primarily going to vote Democrat, they can at least articulate, you know, what their benefits are, what they'll get out of it to some extent. Black men, not so much. We vote and we articulate our issues on the basis of the whole community, not necessarily ourselves. And that's what I want black males to learn how to do. And the younger you can learn it, the better. You want my vote? These are my values, my political values. These are the things I'm interested in. Speak to those things. And you better be pushing toward how I'm advocating for what I want in those issues. Otherwise, you know, you don't get my vote. So anyway, like I said, looking forward to hearing more about where y'all stand on it. Uh, give me your thoughts. And if you have any other videos, clips, or articles that you think um, fall within the realm of this conversation, please share it. And, and again, trying to push toward 40,000 subs. If there are other issues that you want me to address, let me know. 
I'm not sure if I will, depends on what's proposed, but um, I definitely want to advance this channel because uh, just a few months ago, I finally hit 5 million views and I'm like, okay, you know, not the biggest voice in, in media, but you know, uh, when you look at it statistically over 90, I think it was, I was telling BGS this the other day, there's something over 97, I think, percent of you know, content creators don't get to a thousand or 10,000 subs. I can't remember which. I wasn't planning to talk about it. It's just something I saw offhand and mentioned, mentioned to them. But my point being, just like with anything else, we watch a lot of YouTube, we watch a lot of media, and we just assume this is common. But realistically speaking, the overwhelming majority of channels on YouTube and other you know platforms for social media, some people, majority don't get past 100 subscribers, let alone 1,000, let alone 10,000. And the, the numbers really start to shrink. So even though you see a plethora of content creators know that there are a hundred times more than that, that don't even, you know, get anywhere near as many subscribers as the ones you tend to watch. So I don't take my little 38,000 lightly, despite that I just use the word little, I don't take it lightly because I know most content creators don't get to that. So if I have a small platform, I want to be able to advance it toward, toward the interest of black males and improve our quality of life in some way, shape, or form. And I hope you'll join me on that and continue to support me in that endeavor and give me ideas as to how you think we can do that more effectively. All right. So that said, I'm going to go ahead and step off. Wish y'all a good night. I'll holla at y'all soon. Peace. Children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking fallacies, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workforces, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.